0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Little Ritual Podcast. On this show, we are open and honest about pretty much, I call it spirituality. It's a container for all of life, all of the things that we experience. And we talk about it openly here and honest, and we are curious and you're welcome here if you're going through sort of the deconstruction of your own faith, if you... Um, are looking for a more expansive conversation around spirituality beyond the classic binaries and male god omnipotent in the sky somewhere, you are in the right place. On today's episode, we are talking all, all about Reiki, what it is, how I got started with Reiki, as well as I will be sharing some common misconceptions about the Reiki practice. So if you have gotten Reiki before and you want to have a little bit of history or background about what you were experiencing, or if you've never experienced Reiki and you're curious about it, this is a great episode for you. But first, we will start with three good things. Okay, so three good things today slash this week. First of all, I did this really big swim on Sunday. So as I'm recording this, it's Tuesday. You will be listening to this on Friday. Um, I did an eight-mile swim in the open ocean on Sunday. And um, I don't really... (laughs) I guess I'm like surprised that I don't have more to say about it. It was, I've just had a lot of people asking me like, oh, wow, that's a big accomplishment. How do you feel? And it absolutely is a big accomplishment for me. I was very nervous. I've never, I've never swam in the open ocean before. I've swam long distance along the coast. I've even done like some lifeguard type competitions and swims where they set a buoy I don't know 150 yards out maybe sometimes more so I've gone out far off the beach but this event started at an isle so I honestly don't know the difference between an island and an isle I'm guessing an isle is just smaller feel free to chime in and correct me on that but it's called the isle of shoals and it is six to eight miles off the coast of Rye Beach in New Hampshire. So we started at the Isle of Shoals and we swam to Wallace. It's called Wallace extension. It used to be called Pirate's Cove, but this um, beach connected to the mainland about six, seven, eight, depending on where you start miles offshore. And you had to have, it was like a whole, it was a whole event. You guys, you had to have, boat. You had to have a crew. You had to have someone in charge of your nutrition for the swim because every 30 minutes we stopped to intake fuel because I guess after like one hour of continuous activity, you've already burned through your reserve. (laughs) Anyway, and so, yeah, it was this big event. We were raising money for the Blue Ocean Society, this group of badass women who literally stopped an oil tycoon from putting an oil rig from Durham, New Hampshire through the seacoast of New Hampshire. It would have obliterated the seacoast. So it was a really cool cause that, and I just sort of like hopped in, I guess they've been planning this for like a year. Um, (laughs) but I heard about it last year, but I only weaseled my way in a few months ago. Um, so, yeah, I did that. I moved my body through the ocean on Sunday for eight miles. And um, I don't know. I don't really have any thoughts about it, I guess. Maybe that's weird. I'm, I'm happy I did it. I would do it again. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that maybe I, I'll have some time to process it this week. It was just such a big thing. And there were so many people involved and it was very supportive. It was just unlike anything I've ever done. It was such, it was such an unusual experience. Um, For context, when you're doing an open water swim like that, you don't sight. So your boat is your navigation. They're your eyes. You literally just move through the water. Like That is your only job is to breathe and swim. And that is really unique moving through the ocean. Like, so you have, I have goggles on, sorry about that. I have goggles on and it's, you can't see any, it's just green beneath you. And then you're moving with the waves and trying to breathe. It's just a fast, I think that's what I, the the thing is, is that when people ask me, like I want to, I wish I could download the feeling or memory and show you because for five and a half hours, all I did was swim and breathe. And on my right side was a boat. It was my boat. And on the left side was my paddler. So my job was to just stay between them and keep breathing and moving. Really fascinating, really hard to describe. Just one of those experiences that is completely unique. I've never done anything like it, and in, until I do it again, I won't be doing anything like it. Okay, that was a really long first good thing, but um, but yeah, you can see that I'm still sort of processing what happened on Sunday. The fact that I just swam eight miles through the ocean, um, <laughs> I guess I just did that, and that's good. I like to just do things, I enjoy athletic challenges and doing things for the sake of doing them. So that's what I did. My second good thing is my Oracle cards. I was gifted my first Oracle deck from my friend, Isabel shout out to you, Isabel for giving me those and for being a great person. Um, and it's called the wild, the wild unknown animal spirit deck by Kim Kranz. And I, it has brought me so much joy. I mean, truly, I the first time that I ever did a spread. So I pulled a past, present, future oracle spread. Um, each of the cards is this in the deck is a different animal, whether real or mythical. Most of them are real animals that are found out in the wild. So there's no like domestic animals, and the whole idea is like connecting with the wild unknown within you. And it's just been. One of the biggest gifts, honestly, in my spiritual practice in the last three or four years is just getting to know this deck and um, doing various spreads and pulls for myself, mostly for myself, not really for others. And I have been using it a little more lately, and it's just so encouraging every single time. And yeah, I just really love it. And the art itself on each card Is so beautiful. I would probably get something tattooed. Hmm. (laughs) New idea. So I did a spread today, and lately, all of my pullings have just been about this time of transformation and honestly, up leveling is the word and going deeper into life and into this experience. And that was the cards today. I think I pulled butterfly, the golden egg, which is about the the heart chakra and the unstruck sound anahata is what it's called in the Sanskrit and it's about getting quiet to reconnect with the essence of who you are. And I pulled that one and Yeah, a lot of the themes have just been like taking a step back, separating from the noise of life because you're in this time of transition and you need to draw in to your own intuition to understand the next step. So that's been, that was my spread today. And that's kind of been the message lately. And I'm just really thankful for those Oracle cards. My third good thing is DoorDash. I'm just going to say it. Okay, I love DoorDash. I can't believe that I ever existed without DoorDash in my life. I have definitely spent upwards of thousands of dollars on DoorDash. And I don't know that I regret it at all. I love it so much. I love the convenience of it. Um, it might be my Achilles heel. We'll see. Time will tell. But I just love DoorDash. I forgot what I got yesterday. Oh, I got chilies. <laughs> Just a little chilies. Was that them? Baby back ribs. I want my baby back, baby back. I think that was them. Yeah, that's chilies, of course. Anyway, so DoorDash is my third good thing. Um, that is unsponsored. <laughs> but DoorDash, if you want to sponsor me, straight up hit me up because I freaking love you guys. So that's it for three good things. Um, I am enjoying water and coffee this morning. Um, Made some iced coffee with my friend Diana. Uh, Her family is out of town, and so she just invited me to hang out this morning and take a dip in the hot tub, which was... It was great hanging out with her, but the hot tub, man, it's like... It's so hot out. It's so crazy. It's like late August already, and... It's definitely just... The the seasons have shifted a month. I'm convinced. No one can convince me otherwise. Last year... So I live in New England um, in Massachusetts. And last year we had a pumpkin shortage around Halloween because they... I hope I get this right. I think that they... Did they fruit too early? Something happened with the weather and the rainfall where we just didn't have pumpkins around Halloween time. They all came earlier. So around... I think it was early. Yeah, they all fruited earlier because of the weather. So we just didn't have pumpkins. Isn't that great? Isn't that absolutely wild? Like we still had pumpkins, but not the giant surplus that you'd usually see around New England in the early to late fall. So, yeah, it hasn't it's definitely not cooling down anytime soon. And I'm not really complaining, but um, but also I'll be ready for fall. I'll be ready for her when she comes. So let's talk about Reiki. And let's, I would love to start with my journey with Reiki, just to give you an idea of where I'm coming from. So I i don't think I'd heard about Reiki until I was deep into Christianity and Christian circles. And so the first understanding that I had about Reiki was painted from that evangelical perspective and the way that it was pitched was like evil (laughs) and the idea was that somehow it's so uninformed so it's hard for me to even repeat it but what I was taught was that Reiki energy was not from God and therefore it had to be from, if it's not from God, it's like from a demon. Oh, there's so much wrong. It's like so hard for me to even voice these things, but that was the idea was that Reiki was not good because these people were tapping into an evil source because they were not tapping into the Christian Godhead. And I remember one particular time, so my mother had a really long battle with depression and and really bad anxiety, including social anxiety. And one time when I had come back from YWAM, when I lived in Australia doing the Christian missions course, my mom, um, one of the waitresses at this breakfast spot that we were at, she got talking with my mom and somehow the topic of anxiety came up. My mom must've opened up to her a little bit and the woman came back at the end and she said, Hey, you know, I have, I do Reiki and it could be really beneficial to you if you're ever interested. Here's my business card. And my mom took the business card and she was like, thank you so much, etc. etc. And I, I, when the person walked away, chimed in and said, Mom, I just want you to know that I don't think you should do that. I don't think you should do the Reiki. And she said, I had a feeling you were going to say that. And I think I probably told her the same thing where I was like, well, you just have to be so careful because, you know, they're not t- tapping into God. And I remember my mom definitely she gave me some pushback where she was like, well, what do you think they're tapping into? Then that seemed like a really nice person. And I said, well, if it's not God, then it's a demon, like the exact same thing I just told you. I don't know if she ever went to that person. I don't, I don't think she did. Um and, you know, I try not to hold, like, shame about about past versions of myself and what what I've said, but I think that's one of those things where it definitely, it probably would have been really beneficial for my mom to have gone to see that woman. And because I was so indoctrinated with these beliefs and also, also lacked an understanding, I think that's the most frustrating part is that I didn't even look into it myself. I was so blinded by my own presuppositions. What's it called? Confirmation bias. That even if I were to look anything up, I would read the first lines. And because of the deeply internalized xenophobia that is in evangelical Christianity. And if you don't like that, that's just, it's true, my friends. Like, some of the stuff like Reiki is an ancient Japanese, it's not an ancient, energy work is an ancient tradition. And it find it's found its different forms in Japan and India and China. A lot of what we were taught was that other cultures were evil and they wouldn't have said it outright like that. Maybe they would sometimes, but that was kind of the message when you really dig into it, because there's just this idea that like Christianity as it is understood in evangelical United States America is the correct way. And it's just so frustrating. And within that it's like, so basically anywhere else you go, any understanding that they have of God is not valuable and not credible. It's a bunch of bullshit. So, That was my intro to Reiki. I, before I even understood it or knew it, I was told that it was wrong because it wasn't whatever. But here's the funny thing. Here's the thing that I think is really funny. We practice Reiki all the time at YWAM. We did Reiki every single day. We did Reiki every single day. And that is because Reiki is just channeling energy through the hands. There's only one energy source. There's not, there aren't, there isn't good and evil and we're not tapping into evil. Reiki, if anything, is meant to channel God energy through you. And that's what we did at YWAM. They emphasize the laying on of hands. And when I get into the history of the founder of Reiki and what his intention was, you'll see that that's exactly what Reiki is, is the laying on of hands and that's exactly what dr usui was doing when he founded reiki so it's just really funny because it's like a rose by any other name but but you but if it's by another name then it's not valid so you can see the dichotomy happening where on one hand i was being pitched that any energy work outside of distinctly and verbally stated like prayer through Jesus Christ was evil, but we were also practicing energy work every single day and getting like good at it and trying to become better at it. I think I recognized recognize that, dichot- that false dichotomy, but I didn't have anything else to land on at the time. So I just accepted it. It wasn't until I got yoga teacher certified during the pandemic and in yoga classes, they would sometimes start or end with, usually end with Reiki or they would say at the end of the class, the instructor would say, I'm sending each of you Reiki. And I think that at first when I heard that, I was very uncomfortable with it. But the more that I heard it and realized that these people were just people and that they weren't trying to convert me to some religion. Um, I think it warmed me up to the idea. I don't know actually exactly what made me say, oh, I want to become certified in this and hold sessions. I think I, it was just curiosity, which if you've listened to this podcast before, you're probably tired of hearing me use that word. But it's just true. Like, My whole life has just been a series of curiosities that I've tried out and I've tried my hardest to be open to letting go of if they no longer serve me or if they're no longer healthy. So I I think that I just signed up for an online Reiki course to do it and because I was curious about it and then through doing the course became quite comfortable with the idea of Reiki and I understood it for the first time and I realized how basic it was <laughs> like and that kind of leads me to my first misconception number one which is that or actually what I talked about before with Christian circles talking about Reiki so misconception number one is that Reiki uses your own energy to heal others Or an even deeper, this isn't a misconception, this would just be kind of slanderous, or even worse, that Reiki uses some type of evil energy. The truth is that the truth about what Reiki is lies in the dichotomy of the word Reiki. So you can divide Reiki into the two root words, which are rei, rei, R-E-I, and ki, K-I. Rei literally means Universal or everything, and key means energy or life force. This is also the word chi in Chinese. There, different cultures have the same way of describing. Sorry, different ways of describing the same thing. So, Reiki practitioners channel universal energy through their hands. You do not use your own energy in a healing session. Um, it would be it, it would not be healthy to do so, and that is not what is taught in the Usui- Reiki lineage. So Reiki practitioners do not use their own energy to heal others. Reiki practitioners channel source energy. And you have to, of course, develop your own idea about, about what that energy is, but I'm of the belief. That there is only there's just energy like it's just pure source. Some people call it the universe. I do like that word because it feels like it captures something expansive and yet personal. Um, But yeah, I've had a lot of people after quote unquote hard Reiki sessions, whether that means they're very emotive or like big. Things came up or maybe um, they were processing through trauma. And they'll, they'll tell me at the end, sort of like, oh, that must have been very hard for you. That you must be tired. And in all honesty, I can look them in the eyes almost every single time and say, no, not at all. I feel actually much better than when I walked in that room this morning. And that's the honest truth. Because in a Reiki session... I feel like I get a little energy massage as well because the energy is running through me. So so I, I rarely feel tired after a session unless I forgot to eat before the session which is a totally different topic and I do blame my ADHD on that. The challenge for a Reiki practitioner is to be a clear channel, is to Acknowledge and quiet the ego so that you can be just a clear river, conduit for energy to flow through. That's it. That's what I mean when I say it's really simple. And that was encouraging because it's really nice when you discover something has a name. When you discover something that you've already been experiencing has already been named and you can hop into that lineage, that's how it feels right now. I'm reading this book about the roots of paganism and neo-paganism in America. And that's the sentiment that a lot of people say is that it's not a conversion, it's just more of a coming home. It's more of a realization of like, oh, I knew this thing probably had a name. And when I was doing the Reiki training, I felt very confident because I was like, I've been doing this for years in a Christian context. I could have never gotten paid for it in a Christian context. And when I had just started to really unravel my Christianity and start leaving the church, One of the first things was that I started finding it really unnecessary to involve God in the conversation. And that may freak you out if you're a Christian, but what I mean is like, or whatever, it freaks you out, that's fine. (laughs) What I mean by that is like exactly what it sounds like. I would have these very healing conversations And I hadn't mentioned Jesus or God yet. And it's almost like I had to throw that in like a cherry on top just so that it would be legit. It was like the stamp of approval was like me and this person have this awesome heart to heart. We connect. Our energy is vibing. We're flowing together that maybe there's healing taking place. And at the end, I would get this guilt, this little notch that was like, remember to mention Jesus. And so I'd be like, yeah, you know, it was good talking with you. And, And, you know, Jesus is the one who really prompted me to talk to you just so you know and usually that's when something would switch and the energy would stop flowing it it just did the person would i'd see a f- switch in their eyes where i went from someone that they were connecting to to someone who had an agenda and it would flip and they do lots of i used to i used to be a conference girly used to be a christian conference girly i went to the to the some people who should not be named What's to, to some todd white Shindig, some Bethel shit, and other places that were secretly super homophobic, Um, (laughs) and they would teach you, like, how to, um, how to casually, like, bring in Jesus, and anyway, but I started letting go of that, or questioning that, where I started noticing that that's when the door would close of energy and conversation, is when I would force in my agenda. And um Reiki is so healing for me in that way because there's no agenda. Like I don't need to con- I don't need to convert anyone because there's nothing to convert to. And I love that because because it truly it's actually achieving the goal of what they were trying to get us to do in those evangelical circles. Because what they were trying to do is have us speak on behalf of God and say, holy shit. (laughs) Um, But I think the agenda of like having it have to be tied to this religion, to a religion, really got in the way of what of the healing that they were hoping would happen. And so to to practice Reiki is so beautiful because no words have to be said. No agenda has to be met. There's no guilt. There's no shame. There's no dogma. It's just breathing and noticing and listening. That is... That's all of Reiki. And I say the word notice more than anything in my yoga teaching and my Reiki practicing. There are symbols that they teach you when you're going through Reiki one and two and Reiki master. And these symbols can help sort of focus your mind's eye and the visual. I don't think that the symbols are necessary for Reiki. I think they're just meant to be a helpful tool. Some people might like adamantly disagree with that, but I stand firm in my belief that every single person can practice Reiki. Oh, sorry. Yeah, misconception number two is that you have to be licensed to use Reiki. And here's the truth. Reiki is for everyone. Do you remember what I said about the origin of the word Reiki, it literally means universal energy, so you, you can't gatekeep it. <laughs> There's You cannot gatekeep Reiki because we all are already experiencing Reiki on a daily basis. And the more that you can become in tune with the sensations in your body and your emotions, the more you can actually channel Reiki, and and the more that you'll feel Reiki, the more that you you will you will feel reiki moving through you, sometimes stronger than other times. It's not necessarily about the feeling, um, but it is a nice confirmation when you experience sensation, warmth. I usually feel it through warmth through my hands. I will say that. So yes, the truth is. The myth is that you have to be licensed to use Reiki. The truth is that Reiki at its core is for everybody and that everyone can and should practice Reiki because Reiki is listening to yourself, allowing yourself to be a channel for universal healing, sorry, for universal life force to bring healing on a cellular level. Reiki is a non-invasive energy practice that addresses the root cause of imbalance in the body. So a lot of Western medicine... Treats to its fault, treats the symptoms of imbalance, whether it comes out as insomnia or gut problems, Reiki addresses the very root energy, energetic imbalance that is behind any other imbalance happening in your body. So for that reason, every person can experience Reiki. However, this is my caveat, if you plan to host sessions for money, You should be attuned and trained. And the reasons for that is that um, there is a a lineage of Reiki that you enter into. And it helps you with discernment and um, confidence, really. I think that it's important that you trust yourself and that you are in touch with your voices If that makes sense your ego your soft inner voice so that you can be a clear channel for people in Reiki sessions and I think that it does develop a confidence depending on your personality I can pull the Enneagram into this like I think my six wing does look for certifications for things if you're unfamiliar with the Enneagram, Enneagram type 6s kind of have this interesting dance with authority and their big thing is feeling being secure and safe. So I'm an Enneagram type 7, but you can have a wing on either side. Anyway, so um I'm also attached even though I'm an Enneagram 7, I'm attached to the 6 energy of wanting security and some type of stamp of approval. And it's less of the stamp of approval that I'm pitching here, but more that when you go through a course, you can have the confidence of asking the questions and knowing the lineage and the symbolism so that, and that will come through in your sessions. So that leads me to misconception number three. This one comes with a caveat as well, but here's misconception number three, that Reiki or rather the concept behind Reiki, is unique to Japanese culture. So yes and no, my friends. Yes, Reiki originated in Japan. No, energy, universal energy healing, which is what Reiki means and what Dr. Usui was tapping into, is not unique to Japan. So let's dive into a little bit of the history for a second. Long, long ago, in the year of 1865, a man was born by the name of Dr. Mikao Usui. Well, I'm sure he wasn't born a doctor. That would be cute. Just imagine a little doctor with a little stethoso- stethoscope coming out of the womb. Anyway, so a man by the name of Dr. Mikao Usui is understood to be the founder of the Reiki practice that most people are attuned to today. He was born in 1865 in present-day Nagoya, Japan. Something notable was that he studied an array of sciences, so medicine, psychology, and theology. And it was through that education that he realized that the laying on of hands could bring healing. But it was very important to him. So he, his parents were wealthy Buddhists. It was very important to him that if he were to Create or find a modality of healing that involved the laying on of hands that it would be detached from religious belief. It was very important to Dr. Usui that Reiki, or it wasn't called Reiki yet, but that his system would be accessible to everyone. So it was distinctly non religious in its origin. During his time in the monastery, this guy was an impressive dude. Doctor studying all this stuff in a monastery. Also, notice how how all of those can go together in Eastern cultures. That is something that we are deeply missing in the West is that you can be versed at, in medicine, psychology, theology, and energy, work, and healing without it being contradictory. Maybe I'll just leave that there. So, during... Uh, When Dr. Usui was in the monastery, he went into a cave and fasted, prayed, and meditated for 21 days on Mount Karama. On the last day of his fast, he saw in visuals, perhaps mind's eye or on the cave, the ancient Sanskrit symbols that helped him develop, develop the system of healing that he was searching for and could not find. So from there, once he received those Sanskrit symbols, he started a clinic in Kyoto. Day off in Kyoto. I love that song. He started a clinic in Kyoto where he trained others in the practice that he had been developing and with the symbols that he learned on in the cave. One of his students was Dr. Hayashi, and Dr. Hayashi is the one that I mentioned who sort of refined the attunement process and also clarified the symbolism in it. Dr. Hayashi attuned a woman named Hawaii Takata and Mrs. Takata was a Japanese American and she actually had, um, I forget what kind of sickness. It was a very debilitating sickness. And she traveled to Dr. Hayashi who gave her Reiki and actually healed her, um, th- through the Reiki so she took back what she learned home to the U.S. And that is how Reiki spread to the West. She ended up attuning something like 25 practitioners. And then it goes on and on in this lineage. And if you're wondering what attuning is, it's, it's when the person training you in the art of Reiki lays hands on you. This can be done distally or in person and make sure aligns your energy into the Reiki field so that you can then practice on others or on yourself or your pets. Reiki is for everybody and everything. That's something that I should mention. Maybe that can be misconception number four, that Reiki is just for humans. No, 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 no. Oh, let's bring back some animism into the U.S. Please, <laughs> the idea that everything, these things that we've labeled as inanimate, allow me onto the soapbox for a moment. Before Christianity came and imperialized pantheism and polytheism into monotheism, we had this rich understanding that everything had spirit flowing through it. Like, I hate to say it, but that Pocahontas song honestly captures it. Like, but but I know every rock and tree and creature has a life, has a spirit, has a name. I think it's something like that. Um thank you for the random moment of singing. But we yeah, we used to have this idea that gave us respect for every creature. And The truth is that life force doesn't doesn't choose where it flows through. It flows through everything. So pets actually respond extremely well to Reiki. Like, I'm just gonna tell you from experience that, yes, there are people who feel Reiki and, and receive it more than others. And when people can't get past their ego and their head that is when they have the hardest they don't experience the the feeling of the reiki so think about animals they don't have that ego so the reiki goes straight in and dogs will move their bodies to they will tell you through movement where they need the reiki it's it's really beautiful i i think there are some videos on youtube like you can look up animal reiki healing and um yeah, dogs, animals respond really well to Reiki. I try to remember and keep in my practice to give Reiki back to trees, to the ground. Um, the earth gives us so much, and Reiki offers us offers us a way to reciprocate, to to rechannel the energy through these creatures and plants. I don't remember if we were on misconception number four or three, but the one that I mentioned about Reiki not being... Yes, it, Reiki is unique in this to Japanese culture in the sense that it began there, and that is its lineage and its roots, but it is also not unique. Ah, yes, this is where I was going with that. Every ancient culture has... A form of Reiki. So the Japanese, starting with Dr. Usui, called it Reiki. In China it's Qigong, people practice Tai Chi as a method of moving energy, and in India this energy movement is called Prana, Pranayama, so the the movement of breath and it focuses on the breath as the life force. So that's why I say, is Reiki unique to Japan? Well, yes and no. Um, yes, it originated there. No, the idea of it is not unique. And I think that that just adds to the validity of it in the fact that like lots of people were doing the same thing under different terms. And indeed, contrary to what I learned at YWAM, a rose by any other name is just as sweet. And beyond that, the more words that you can use to describe a rose... The more rich your life will be. It will not be for the worse. It will be for the better. I guess I'll throw in one last misconception before I read you a couple of reviews um, from my clients. So this one came in from my friend Diana. Shout out to Diana for responding to my Instagram polls, <laughs> which can be a desert wasteland. Um, but she said that one misconception she has of Reiki is that it's a type of massage. So, um... Reiki is distinctly not massage. I think a lot of people think that it might be because they're on a massage bed often, like during a professional session. I like to incorporate yoga massage into my Reiki sessions because it feels good. (laughs) People, it's, um, I like to do face massage and foot massage and just have touch on the shoulders or neck if people are open to it. But, But Reiki does not need to include touch at all. That's just, if people do that, it's because they have some separate training and have added it on, like myself. Reiki is an energy massage in in some ways. That's what it feels like sometimes when we're moving through the, the chakra system. And I think the big thing to understand with Reiki is that, you know, going back to that conversation about polytheism and the idea that life is many and that we are multitudes inside and that nothing is really one thing or the other. Reiki doesn't have to be this end all be all and it's not like I've heard people complain about Reiki being used in yoga. I love when Reiki is used in yoga because all of these things are meant to bring us into a greater sense of freedom and into greater alignment, into greater energetic and cellular alignment so you know Reiki complements yoga, complements talk therapy, complements massage complements like cryotherapy, creo, cryo the cold one, Um, it all goes together and I think we have to be careful not to homogenize in unintentionally these practices I really believe that the more that we can learn the more practices and cultures that we can derive forms of healing from the better and I don't know sometimes I don't even know how to speak to complaints about cultural approach appropriation and that type of thing because It seems to me that at the root of each of these Eastern practices is this idea that it was meant to be accessible for everyone. I mean, Dr. Usui, that was was his thing. That was his shtick, was that whatever healing modality that he would come up with, with in regards to the laying on of hands would be distinctly unreligious. The same can be said for for most polytheistic religions. And I just, I feel like I haven't met many people who have bad intentions that are using these practices. So I don't know, I I, uh, I, I kind of feel like we need to like chill out. <laughs> like there's already enough going on and if people are pursuing the practice of Reiki, they probably need it for themselves And hopefully it's, it's bringing healing to them. And then they experience that and they want to share it. So you go and get certified and attuned. Awesome. I, I have no problem with that. Maybe I'll get hate for that, but I don't know. And that's where I stand. So we talked a little bit about the history. We've covered some misconceptions. We've covered um, my own journey with Reiki coming from an evangelical background that was deeply misinformed and ignorant and, Yet practicing Reiki on a daily basis in different prayer meetings and evangelism meetings, etc. And then over the pandemic, opening up to it through yoga classes and getting my own certification for um, being able to offer it to clients. So we've gone over that. Now, here's how Reiki feels to me as a practitioner. So I am both a practitioner of Reiki and a recipient of Reiki. I offer Reiki sessions and I receive Reiki from normally one person in particular, but um, a couple different people. So as a practitioner, Reiki feels deeply grounding and connecting, As a recipient, Reiki, to be totally honest, Reiki sometimes feels frustrating as a recipient, but in a great way. Like there's I can I can feel so deeply the stuff that is blocked and it comes up so clearly. So um, another way of understanding Reiki is that it's meant to bring every chakra into alignment so that they're in communication with one another. So the chakra centers are along your vagus nerve. There's seven main ones from your crown, the top of your head down to your feet, which is your root chakra. And there are various things that can make your chakras stop spinning. So each chakra each chakra means disc, wheel, so they should be spinning clockwise And um, and when they're doing that at the right pace, they're all in communication and it's a good time and everything's aligned. Often things get unaligned and the goal of Reiki is to, to bring alignment. So in sessions, when I'm receiving that, I can feel like when a chakra is not, ain't happy. And so it feels frustrating, but it also feels very cleansing and it always feels like an adventure. I would say both as a practitioner and recipient, Reiki is always an adventure Here are how my clients describe sessions. Yes, to brag, but also so that you can have some understanding of of what goes on during a Reiki session. All right, so let's start with this review from Karen. My first official Reiki session was with Jenna and I couldn't have asked for a better experience. She made me feel at ease during the experience from start to finish allowing me to develop a greater sense of the areas I want to work on and beyond. As soon as my session was over, I already couldn't wait for the next one. Very kind. This is um another client that I had said sent me this text that said, "Hi, sessions with you are always so special to me, but I wanted to tell you yesterday. I wanted to tell you that yesterday moved me in a way that I'm really grateful for." I'm feeling a lot of relief and love and excitement where I had been feeling a lot of mistrust and guilt. Thank you for the care you share. So sweet. See if there's maybe one more. One person, I asked her uh, to tell me she's one of my regular clients and also someone who goes on retreats. And I just wanted to know, like, why? She comes to me specifically, and she said, I would say that for Reiki, it's because of the messages that you're able to convey. Also, the comfortability. You definitely create a safe container that feels light. Let me see if there's anything. Um, I w- one more from from a friend. I was a bit intimidated by the idea of Reiki at first, as I hadn't done anything like it before, but I was immediately welcomed by a generous space of healing and rest. Jenna does such a fantastic job of gently guiding you through the session. She provided insight and guidance throughout which really helped me ground myself. I walked out feeling more at home in my body. What a lovely practice. The words that come up a lot in those are grounding, coming home, trust, lightness. Reiki means universal energy. I want you to walk away with that. I will also offer you this to get started on self-reiki. And it's a phrase to be done in a quiet space of meditation somewhere in your day. It's a, it's a, it's a prayer or an invitation. It's really simple. So in your space of meditation, if you're wanting to practice Reiki on yourself, you can say, may Reiki's healing light flow in and through me. I say this before every session. May Reiki's healing light flow in and through me for X, Y, and Z, for myself, for Nick, for Cassie. And then if you want to set an intention, a simple intention that I always set is that may any energy here and now be for my highest good and healing. From there, you can breathe deeply and you could just start with hovering your hands wherever they want to go, wherever feels comfortable. So for some people, that might be on your hips. For other people, that might be one hand on your heart, one on your stomach. Um, you could start around your neck if you want to start on your head. And from there, there's no wrong answers. Just breathe and notice what comes up. Notice the if there's any different feeling that happens if you hover over your head versus your heart versus maybe an arm or your fingertips or your belly there are no wrong answers if you can try for 10-20 minutes going from your head slowly down to your toes just hovering your hands or even connecting your hands and breathing as you go and being open to whatever comes up let come what come let go what go, and see what remains. One of my favorite quotes that I borrowed from one of my favorite yoga teachers. It can be applied to yoga, it can be applied to Reiki, it is for you, for, you, for your life. Let come what come, let go what go, and see what remains. And that is the heart of Reiki practice. Okay, so that that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the thirty six of you that follow me here. It it really does mean the world. And um, I'm yeah. If you like this podcast, if you um, are vibing with me, I would love and deeply appreciate if you could leave me a review. That's how other people find the podcast. And if you want to follow me, and so that you can tune into every episode, I try to post once a week, either Mondays or Fridays. And um, yeah, we, we have some cool guests coming on in the upcoming future. And I'm um, just really grateful for this space. I am new to the podcasting world. This is probably my eighth or ninth episode. I'm figuring out uh, everything <laughs> as I go. But yeah, I'm just really happy to have the space. I've honestly always wanted to do a podcast. And I'm really happy that it's happening now. So thank you for being here and sharing this special space with me. And I, I, I'm gonna plug, I'm gonna shamelessly, I'm gonna plug here with no shame whatsoever. I do distance and in-person Reiki sessions. Listen guys, I'm gonna be completely honest, I don't know where I'll be in the world in January. Well, actually I do. I will be in Mexico in January at a retreat, which you can sign up for. Y'all come on this shit. If it looks cool to you and you're like, I would go on that. It's like, then go come. There's payment plans. I want you there. I want you to come to Mexico with me for a week and experience the dolphin joy energy and peace that is going to happen on that week in Oaxaca, Mexico. The dates of that are January 29th. Oh God, I hope I'm getting this right. Yes, January 9th through February 3rd, 2024. The total price for the trip is $2,333. The payment plan is really nice because it's a $500 deposit and then it's you can pay 600 bucks a month for three months is basically the option. It's coming up so fast, you guys, it's five months away. So if you were wanting to come, now's the time to sign up for sure. Um, it helps me because I need to know that the trip is, you know, it is already happening, but that it's going to fill up. I need to know how many people are coming. It helps me to plan and it helps you because you'll have this exciting thing to do in late January that you're already signed up for. And if you have like, if you want to know what those retreats are like, I have a bunch of reviews on my Instagram, which is joy play spelled like it sounds joy play j-o-y-p-l-a-y i have one real pinned that is three of my past retreat participants in iceland talking about their experience and i think that they capture the spirit of these magical retreats really well so again that is It's called my Wild One Yoga and Surf Retreat. Woo! And it's January 29th through February 3rd, 2024. The price is $2,333. And that includes everything besides flights. Um, And you can find more info about that on my Instagram. And if you want virtual, my point in saying all of that was that if you want in-person Reiki and you're in the seacoast area of like New Hampshire, Northern Mass, hit me up now, y'all, because I don't, I don't know where I'll be in a few months. So if you want in-person Reiki, do it now. Um, the price of those is 140 out the bat, but I do a sliding scale because I love y'all. And truly, truly from the bottom of my heart, if you want to work with me, then we'll make it happen. And I don't want price to be an issue because if you're drawn to work with me, it's for a reason and we're going to make it work. Okay. So Sticker price is 140, we can adjust that as need be. We just have to have a little conversation about it because I'm totally 100% want to offer you that, but I just need to know that that you're not like loaded in dough and just wanting a cheap reiki session because then you'll feel that in the session. The energetics always come through of money. But yeah, sliding scale is absolutely available and feel free to ask me about that. Um, virtual Reiki is such a sneaky, amazing offering. I offer that as well. And all of that can be found on my website, which is joyplay.org. That's J O Y P L A Y dot O-R-G. All right, that is all for me today. Tune in next week. You are not going to want to miss my conversation with Shauna Zilazo, the author of The Way of Inana: A Heroine's Guide to Living... Unapologetically, it's a field guide to heart-centered living through the wisdom of the Sumerian goddess of love. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm so excited. She is also a fellow ocean lover that lives in the area. And it's quite funny how we got connected. And I just love every bit of it. So her and I are recording tomorrow. And that podcast will be posted Monday of next week. So be sure to tune into that. And um, yeah, much love. Bye.